man, wasn't night of worship absolutely incredible? Wasn't that holy? I still can't get over what God did. I'm so thankful for the nine people that gave their life to Christ, for the 11, 12 people that said, man, Jesus isn't just going to be my savior, but I'm going to follow him as my Lord. I love that. For those of you that were there, I really believe that was our greatest night of worship yet. Had the most people, had the most decisions like that. That place was packed out. And um, I just want to say thank you guys. Thank you all for showing up. Thank you guys for expecting God to show out. And I love it when our church comes together. And I love it when we come together expecting God to do the impossible. I want to read my friend. um, I want to read his text message. My friend uh, Jason sent this to me. And I I want you to hear how God worked in his life. And then we're going to jump into the message. Jason texts me this. He said, so this might be a bit long. But last night was a long time coming. Been a believer since I was 15. I had to be the prodigal more than once. Truly, officially, official gave my life to Christ about the third time coming to momentum around Christmas time in 2016. And at moments, I've been all in. But for a lack of a better explanation, Jesus take the will. All the while, my hands were up in the air, but my knee was still touching the steering wheel and steering my ship. Someone from the outside looking in would think that I was doing what I was supposed to, but I was just going through the motions. I don't read the word enough. I only pray when something really good happens, when something really good happens, or for something I need or want. Purest definition of lukewarm, but I gave the perception that I was on fire. Luckily, I was not spat from his mouth, like it talks about in Revelation chapter 3. Anyways, I've been gifted with so many abilities to lead. I never had a job that I wasn't a supervisor for. I've been in commission sales for as long as I can remember. That job consists of being around people, relating to them, listening to them, sifting through the conversation to find their problems, then apply their problem to my solution. Then I get rewarded for fixing their problem? Hmm, what else does this kind of skill set work for? Yet I almost never use it for anything other than a paycheck. Granted, I do good things with the money I've been blessed with, but why not give the gift of life for free to those who need it? The way I can win over a mixed crowd of men and women, why not lead them to something greater than ourselves? I knew something was up last night. I did not want to go last night. This is talking about last Sunday night, the night of worship. I was miserably tired and I just wanted to watch football. I've been working seven days a week for all of January, so I am tired. Saint was trying his hardest to keep me away. He lost. My knees were shaking. Watch this. My knees were shaking long before you made the call to the stage. I wasn't far from Christ. This wasn't a rededication. This wasn't the prodigal this time. 
This was a commitment to make him first. No, not third or when it's convenient, but taking the last step to living for him versus just being willing or okay to die with him. Thank you for your leadership and obedience. Christ has changed me because of you. My church leadership has always stunk before you. Thank you for last night's call. God already had it in his mind to use me last night. I felt it when I walked in the door, but your call made it clear to quit making excuses and start making it happen. Love you, Tim. Jason, I love you, and I'm thankful for what God did in your life and what he did in the lives of so many. I want to encourage you guys a week from now, as you know, Super Bowl Sunday, and I want to encourage you to do two things. I want to encourage you to come to church. We're going to have fun. Come to church. Hey, wear your favorite jersey, college, NFL, doesn't matter, and invite someone to come with you. What a great opportunity to have them come with you. And then I want to encourage you to invite some of your friends, your neighbors, the ones that are in your sphere, and maybe they're close to you, but they're far from God. Invite them to come over for the Super Bowl, you know, and let's get that light. Let's get that light shining bright. All right. I love you guys. Let's go to Mark 9. We got a great story today. Mark 9. We've been talking about prayer. We've been talking about faith. We've been learning that God hears us and he doesn't just hear us. He can help us. And the way he helps us is by answering our prayers. And sometimes it's with a yes. Sometimes it's with a no. Sometimes it's with a wait. But God is in the business of hearing us and answering our prayers. All right. Now in Mark nine, the disciples had been with Jesus. Their faith was strengthened. They had a mountaintop experience. It was like, man, it was so good. Kind of like the night of worship, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but I went to bed like, and I woke up like, I mean, I was just like, that was so awesome. I mean, I was truly exhausted after all day Sunday, but it was a great exhaustion. I believe that's probably how these disciples were some of them, Peter, James, and John, being with Jesus, coming off the um, transfiguration where they saw God do something they had never seen before. And they saw Jesus in a way they'd never seen Jesus before. And now we pick this story up. It's recorded in three of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke's gospel. We're going to take this story today from Mark chapter nine. And Jesus is going to heal a demon-possessed boy. Let's read. When they returned to the other disciples, that was Peter, James, and John, and Jesus, they saw a large crowd surrounding them, and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. Pharisees always love to argue. In fact, they're more concerned about arguing with you than helping you or listening to you or ministering to you. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about? Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, teacher, I brought my son to you. I brought my son, excuse me. I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever that spirit seizes him, controls him, it throws him violently to the ground. 
Then he foams at the mouth and he grinds his teeth and he becomes, he becomes rigid or he becomes weak. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. I'm thinking that at this point, Jesus is a little, he's probably a little frustrated. Why couldn't the disciples cast out that demonic spirit? Jesus had given them authority over all power of the darkness. And he said, you have all authority. I've given my authority to you. Just like in the military, when you get orders and it comes down line, it comes down the chain. And that's like, hey, this came from the top. So you have the word from the top. And this is the authority that I'm saying, but it's backed all the way from the top, right? And Jesus had given these disciples authority to go in his name, not in their own strength, not in their name, but in the authority of the name of Jesus. He had given them that authority and he'd given them that power, but he must have realized that they lacked the faith to do that. They lacked the faith. And I'm sure it bothered Jesus because Jesus has been spending time with these guys. Jesus, Jesus just came off the mountain. Jesus literally was just shown in his glory to Peter, James, and John, who he really is, deity, that Jesus is God. And they heard Father God speak and like, holy cow. And then now all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, we've, we've gone backwards you know what I'm saying? We, we're, we're back here again. I thought we grew past this. I thought we were already above this. And no. And so Jesus responds. And remember, he's God, but he's also human. He's God in the flesh. And he's like, you faithless people, how long do I got to put up with you? You with me? So after saying that, he says, bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy when the evil spirit, I love this, when the evil spirit saw Jesus, before he even said a word, when the evil spirit saw Jesus, all right, the evil spirit is like, ugh, because he knows that Jesus does have the authority. And that evil spirit threw the child into a violent convulsion. And the boy fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked a question. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, since he's a very little boy. He's my son, but since he was a little boy, this has been going on. The spirit, this demonic spirit, this evil spirit, this unclean spirit often throws him into the fire or into water trying to kill him. Well, it makes me think that if he was throwing him in water trying to kill him, this boy, this son, couldn't swim. Throwing him into fire to burn him to kill him. And yet, remember, when the evil spirit would act out, when the evil spirit would manifest, the boy would become weak. So evidently, if mom and dad weren't there or someone else there to get him out of the water, he would drown. To get him out of the fire, he would burn to death. And so this was like constant liability. Mm. 
Scripture goes on and says that the Father said, have mercy on us and help us. Now he's talking to Jesus. He had talked probably the Pharisees before. He talked to the disciples before, but now he's talking to Jesus. And he says, please have mercy on us. Please help us. And then he says these words, if you can, if you can. Jesus doesn't skip a beat. What do you mean? If I can, Jesus asked, anything is possible if a person believes. And here's why, here's what this does mean and here's what it doesn't mean. What it doesn't mean is you can get whatever you want just because you believe. What it does mean that if you believe that God can do anything, God can do anything. And so there's some things that God doesn't do because you and I don't believe God can do it or you and I don't believe that God will do it. So my belief isn't in, well, I'll get whatever I want if I just believe. No, my belief is that God can do whatever God wants to do. And God, if God wants to answer this prayer, this prayer is going to get answered, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if God wants to deliver us from this fiery furnace, he is able, he's more than able. But even if he doesn't, right? So sometimes we wrestle with our faith here because we pray and we're like, well, I believe this is going to happen. And we pray and we pray and we pray and God doesn't do it. And then we're like, well, I don't know what's wrong. What's wrong with you, God? I'm keeping up my end of the deal. I'm kind of holding my end of the bargain. I believe this was going to happen. And and sometimes it doesn't work like that because God's ways aren't our ways, but God wants us to believe that he can do anything But even if he doesn't, our faith is still going to be in Jesus, that Jesus can do anything, everything. There's nothing too hard for him. And so anything is possible, Jesus says, if a person believes. Why? Because God can do anything. Because nothing is impossible with God. The father instantly cried out. And here's where I really, I just love this. The father cried and he cried out. And he cried out to Jesus. He said, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. What he was doing is he was admitting here that he struggled. He was admitting here that he had doubt. He was admitting here that there's some things that he comes to God for and he doubts. And you and I can relate because you and I have come to God and we've prayed and yet we've come with doubt. And Jesus says, what do you mean if I can? What do you mean if I can? This showed this man's vulnerability, his authenticity to say, I do believe, but I also don't. I struggle. I wrestle. In other words, I have faith, Jesus. But I also have doubt. So help me have more faith than doubt. Help me believe better than my doubt. I believe. Help me, help my unbelief. Help me believe better. This is what he's saying. And so notice what happens. Oh, I love this. After that honesty, when Jesus saw the crowd of onlookers was growing, When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, in other words, a crowd is building and Jesus is waiting and he's waiting for the crowd to get bigger so more people can see the miracle. Sometimes we pray and God doesn't do it yet. Maybe you ask God for a child 
You're praying and praying and praying, and God doesn't answer that prayer yet. But maybe God is waiting for the right time so that max capacity of people can see, and God wants a bigger audience. This is interesting to me here. Jesus is waiting for the audience to get bigger. Jesus likes a crowd, and he wants this crowd to realize what God can do. And maybe the hesitation in your life where you've been praying and you've been asking and God hasn't answered yet, maybe God is just waiting for the crowd to get bigger. Maybe God is just waiting for your friends to get um, bigger. Maybe God is just waiting for your friends to get more attentive so that when he does answer that prayer, when he does give you that job, when he does give you clarity about which way to go, when God does give you clarity about should we move here or should we buy this house or man, what should I do or what school should I go to or should I even try out for this team? Maybe maybe God's waiting. You know, today I got off the phone, Steph and I got to talk to my cousin Matt and um, my Aunt Kathy and Matt's beautiful wife, Allison, and my Uncle Chuck and uh, his beautiful daughter, Rachel, my cousin, and we just got to talk to our family. And we've been praying for months, for months since November. We've been praying for months for God to heal Matt. And today was the first day I heard Matt's voice, and it's February. And we've been pleading with God since November. And what God was doing is not that God couldn't just heal him like that. He could. But do you know how many more people have prayed? Do you know how bigger the circle has gotten? Do you know how much greater the audience is of people been praying and praying and praying? And so sometimes Jesus will hesitate, not because he doesn't hear, but because Jesus is waiting for the crowd to get bigger. So there's maximum impact with the miracle he's about ready to do. So when Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. So he was deaf and he couldn't speak. He was mute. This is what Jesus said. And then he said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. Why? See, this, this uh, unclean spirit had authority issue. Authority issues always come from the evil one. I mean, Jesus said, come out in the evil spirit, one more act of rebellion before he had to obey. And so, you know, sometimes when God is speaking something over your life, the enemy is going to try one last time to throw a temper tantrum, one last time to throw a fit, one last curveball to throw your way. Don't give up in that because as Jesus speaks, what Jesus says is getting ready to happen. And notice, yeah, he screamed. Yeah, he threw the boy into another, one more, one, but one last. One more violent convulsion, but one last. Because Jesus said, you ain't never coming back and bothering this boy again. And I love that. And so he left him and the boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as, as people said, he's dead. So here's gossip. He's dead. It whispers. He's dead. 
But Jesus took him by the hand and he helped him to his feet and he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast? Why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. And if it doesn't say fasting in your Bible, it has an asterisk. And if you look there, it's fasting. In other words, one translation says, this kind only goes out by prayer and fasting. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what we heard today. And God, we pray that you would help us where there are areas in our life, God, where, Lord, we have been praying, God, but we've been struggling with unbelief. Lord, in James 1, you tell us that whenever we come to you, we're to come with, to you with faith and not doubt. But so often, like this father, if we were just honest, we would say that, God, we do have faith, but, God, we also have doubt. And oftentimes, we have more doubt than faith. So, God, I ask you today, would you help us believe better? Would you help our faith tower over our doubt? And would we believe, Jesus, that it's not a matter of if you can, because with God, nothing is impossible. So God, help us believe better. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's you and you say, Pastor Tim, man, there's an area where I'm just struggling. To be honest, there's an area and I'm struggling. I've got a lot of doubt and I do have faith and I know God can and I know what the Bible says. But I'll just be honest if I can be human for a moment and just say I'm really wrestling with doubt. And, and to be quite honest, I probably have more doubt than I have faith. And you say, man, that's the prayer of my heart as a Christian. I'm going to ask God to help me believe better today. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I'll all up, every campus from Gulf Breeze, Navarre, from Blackwater, our campus at Blackwater Correctional Facility. Men, raise that hand up. Pensacola, raise that hand up. And everybody watching online, they're in the chat. You just put a hand up in the chat. So I'm struggling, man. I got a lot of doubt. I love God. I know God can, but I just, I got more doubt than faith. And notice Notice that Jesus does say to the Father, what do you mean if I can? But notice he doesn't like blast the Father and he won't blast you. I think he's just waiting for us to be as real and authentic and vulnerable and transparent as the Father was when the Father said, I believe, but I need you to help me with my unbelief. In other words, I got both. And if that's you, just, just hold it up. I'm going to pray for you guys this week that God will help you, that your faith will tower over your doubt. And don't let your doubt stop you from coming to God because God knows we all have doubt. And God can and will, if you trust him to, he will remove the doubt. He'll take it out and he'll help you believe better. I love it. Listen, we never like to have a gathering where we don't give the gospel. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're here today and you're like, man, I've been coming for a while. I've been hearing about this Jesus stuff. 
I just, you know, I'm kind of on the fence. I'm just not sure. Can I just explain the gospel to you real quick? And then I want to give you an invitation to receive the greatest gift that's ever been given. Scripture all through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, it paints a picture. And the gospel is a beautiful thing. It started out in the beginning with perfection. God made Adam and Eve. Everything was good. God said it was good. It was perfect. And then the devil got in the mix. And then there was a remix. And he gets Eve and ultimately Adam to doubt what God said and to disobey what God said. And Adam and Eve disobey God. And the moment that they disobey and they take the fruit, we always say an apple, but the Bible doesn't say it's an apple. But the moment they take the fruit, they took the fruit and they ate. The Bible says that their eyes were open. And the devil said their eyes would be open, but he only told them a half-truth. And a half-truth is always a full lie. He told them a half-truth. He said, man, your eyes be open. You'll be like God. You'll know the difference between right and And boy, their eyes were open, and all of a sudden, sin entered the picture, and sin always messes everything up, and sin always brings death. And that day, God had told him, don't do that, because if you do that, the day you do it, you're going to die. But he wasn't just talking about they would drop dead right then. He was talking about for ages to come that death would be king over everything in humanity, over animals over humans, over our planet, that there would just be a spirit of death over the galaxies, that it would change everything and like dominoes, everything would go wrong because of their sin. And sure enough, but he didn't stop there. You know what he did? He took a lamb, a spotless lamb, and he slit its throat and he let the lamb bleed out. And that blood was shed to cover their sins. And then he took, he took, the lamb, the lambskin, and he covered them because they were naked and they were ashamed. Sin will always leave you with less and sin will always leave you ashamed. In that moment, it was a picture that one day Jesus would come and he would be the perfect lamb of God who would not have his throat slit, but he would have his hands pierced. He would have his feet pierced and he would have his side pierced. He would wear our crown of thorns. He would bear our sin. And just like that lamb that was innocent, that did not disobey God, but died so that Adam and Eve could have sins forgiven, Jesus bled out so you and I could come in. Jesus bled out so that you and I could come in to be a member of God's family, a son and a daughter. And on that cross, Jesus literally absorbed the entire wrath of God. God poured out all of his anger, all of his punishment, all of his fury for sin, because sin's got to be punished. If someone came in and robbed your house, if someone harmed um, one of your family members, you would want vengeance. You would say, they deserve this. They, they, this, this sin is going to, it needs to be punished. Where did you get that? You got that from God. That, that, that's God's heart. Sin must be punished, right? And yet God said, but I'll take your punishment. And Jesus on the cross, he literally embraced the wrath of God. He absorbed it all so that you and I could embrace the love and forgiveness of God. And today as a sinner, 
you're headed to a bad destination. It's called hell, and it's a real place, and you don't escape once you die. If you die and you don't want God, then God will say, okay, then you get all of eternity without me. And there's, there are people here today, you're listening online, you've come today, you've been in Blackwater for just a little bit, maybe you're new to Blackwater, maybe you've been in here for a long time, maybe you're a gang member, and you know about sin. Let me tell you about God's judgment. God is going to judge you one day completely for all of your sins. You stand guilty before a holy God. Maybe you're someone that's here and you're like, I'm a good person. I haven't killed anyone. I don't try not to do people wrong. You're a sinner too by birth and by choice. You're a sinner. But that's why Jesus chose the cross because Jesus took all of our sin. He put it on him. God poured out his wrath on Jesus so that you and I could embrace the love and forgiveness of God. And scripture says, if you'll call, whoever will call on the name of the Lord, they'll be saved. So let's do it right now. How do we do it? Would you repeat after me? You're not going to pray to me. You're not going through me to get to God. We're going right to God. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Afterwards, I'm going to ask you to unashamedly hold that hand up. Unashamedly, let us know in the chat. Unashamedly, keep that hand up until we can get you a gift to help you in this new faith journey. But let's cry out to him today. Scripture says that if you put your faith and trust that Jesus, while we were sinners, Christ died for us and he shed his blood and his blood's the only thing that can forgive your sin. Religion can't do it. Religious activity can't do it. Joining a church, getting baptized, giving money in the offering, being good, helping people, having a Bible, praying every night before you go to bed. None of that, that's, that's good. None of that though gets you to heaven. What gets you to heaven is when you cry out and, and put your faith and trust in Christ alone. And you ask Jesus to do for you what you could never do for yourself. And that is, we're going to ask him to come into your life, to forgive your sins, to save you, and to teach you how to live. Let's do it right now. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Would you say, Jesus, I confess today that I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Thank you for loving me. I believe that you bled for me died for me and I believe you rose again on the third day just like the Bible says today I declare that Jesus is Lord I ask you to be my Lord and Savior I give you my life I receive your life now teach me how to live in Jesus' name, amen. Everybody look up. Everyone look up. Look, look, look right here. Listen, this is a holy moment. Blackwater, there are men right now. You just cross that line of faith. I want you to be bold in a minute. I want you to keep the hand up. All your sins are forgiven. All your sins are forgotten because of the blood of Jesus. And this is something to celebrate. You're in Pensacola. You're watching Navarre. I want to tell you right now, maybe you're watching online. You might be in Gulf Breeze, Pensacola, Navarre. You might be in a different state. You might be in a different country. You're watching right now. And you prayed that prayer for the first time in your minute. I want you to let us know in the chat. 
would you let us know? Would you say, Jesus made me new? In the chat, there's also a number on the screen. You can text us, Jesus made me new. You can just say, Jesus, that number on the screen. Text us and let us know. If you're at one of our physical campuses, let us know by raising your hand. We're going to clap for you. We have hosts that have a blue bag inside. It's a new believer's Bible and a bunch of great resources that are going to help you in your faith. All right, on the count of three, hold it up high. Here we go, ready? One, two, three, hold it up, let's go. Let's go, hold it up high, come on. Let's go, hold it up. Come on, Blackwater, I'm so proud of you. God bless you, God loves you, come on. Let's go, Navarre, hold it up. Let's go, you're online, you're watching, let us know. What an incredible moment. Today, you've passed from death to life. You're a child of God, and the devil can never undo that. Make church a priority. Make church a priority. Get in church. If you live local, get to a campus. I'm thankful we have online, but it's not the same. It's not the same. It's a great supplement, but it's not the same as coming, worshiping together, getting in a group, getting involved, getting connected. I want you to do that. Go tell someone. Jesus made you new. Would you do that? I love you guys. I'm so glad that y'all came today. Next week, Super Bowl Sunday. You know it'd be super? is if you brought a friend, wear a jersey. Let's have a good time. Let's celebrate. I love you guys. Y'all have an amazing week. And at this moment, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kick it to our local campuses. We'll see you.